Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. It's season 16 of the podcast, and we're kicking things off with something a little different. Today, we're talking about Snag, an action thriller that had its theatrical release last month and is now available to stream on demand. And my guest is writer, director, producer, and star, Ben Milliken. Ben, welcome to Below the Light. Hi, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me. How many hats is this guy want to wear? <laughs> well, that's what we're, we're going to dive deep into that, Ben. First, a quick warning for our listeners. Today's conversation may contain spoilers. But Ben, give me an idea about how this project came together with you wearing so many hats. It's so funny how I, how I set this story up, but it, it's actually set up like the beginning of a fairy tale. <laughs> it was a cold January night in 2017, sitting on my front porch, someone very close to me. And uh, it was kind of one of those situations, you know, when you get in those spaces in your life where you're kind of like, what's next? What am I, what am I doing next? And this spark of an idea just came up and it was, you should make a movie about a guy and we'll call him Snag. And it just literally from that one single sentence, this thing just germinated from there. Now, Ben, was it your original intention to direct, to produce, to star in it yourself? Or that just sort of as it swirled and grew, you just were the right fit for these things and keeping it together? The original intent was to definitely produce and star in it. And then as I was getting closer and closer and closer, you know, I was I was more like, I'm going to have a sh- I'm going to jump into this thing. I've been so close to this thing for so long that why not just, why not? The, the very, very thought of it kind of scared the crap out of me. So I thought that's why I should do it. And, you know, I just, I just figured I, I, by this time, you know, I knew this thing so well and I knew everything about every single intricate detail that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to try. I'm just going to go for it and, and see what happens. Well, I've said, even from my time in Hollywood, that directing the actors is the one thing on set that has to be done on their own. And so it makes sense having acting experience is going to help with that. With everything else, there should be someone there on the crew who's going to help make that aspect of it work, whether it's your cinematographer or your assistant directors. But when you're wearing so many hats, I can imagine that the role of those other crew members is extremely important. And so I want to get a sense of what it was like crewing up, who you brought in, sort of how the team came together. Uh, yeah, the, the, it was instrumental in this whole thing working. My first AD, Doug Metzger, I had met him a year before on another movie and, uh, he was the first AD on that. Doug is, Doug's been doing this for 40 years. And I mean, this is the guy who was the first AD on Dances with Wolves. He was the first AD on White Fang. He was the first AD on The Italian Job. I mean, the first thing he ever said to me when uh, when we met, I was doing a scene in this in this other movie where I'm where I get I'm I'm hung from a tree. It was day one. He comes up to me. He says, "Congratulations, you're my fiftieth hanging," or something, <laughs> something, something like that. Um, 
I wasn't sure whether it'd be like, okay, cool. Or, you know, but um, no, we, throughout the process of shooting that movie together, we just really started to bond and he was the kind of person that had everybody's back. And I saw the way he ran a set and I saw how much respect he had from the rest of his crew. Cause he'd, he'd been there and he'd done that and he'd lived it all. And of his 50 hangings, all those people survived. There were no, they all lived. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a guy that closed down Hollywood and Island for the Italian job while they raced mini Coopers through it. I mean, this, it's a, uh, you know, a huge, huge undertaking, like all of the things that he's done, just this wealth of knowledge. So it was the first person I called. I called him up and I said, Doug, uh, I really need you on this. <laughs> he was like, I'm there. No question. I'm there. What's the movie about? <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. And then from that, uh, my cinematographer, Christopher Hamilton, I have known for a long time. I was a groomsman in his wedding. And I just, he, yeah, he's, he's a good friend of mine. And he is an absolute genius. Like he has this eye that I don't know where he got it, but he just sees things in this really, really specific way. And he just shoots beautifully. But then also on top of that, him and I have very, very similar tastes. So we could communicate without even having to say words. He was like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, let's go. And, you know, when we were shortlisting this thing together, it was one of the most exciting, fun processes to do this together because we kind of speak the same language. And I could communicate, you know, I want this thing to feel like this. And he's like, I know exactly what you mean. It can look and, – and it was it was very – very mutual the back and forth between it. it's it was everything was a collaboration on this movie and i can see that collaboration being critical when you're wearing the like we mentioned before so many hats where you're both behind and in front of the the camera you've got to trust that these other folks are going to do their parts uh yes then i want to talk more about that collaboration on set but let's set some context mm-hmm. how many weeks of filming did you schedule for this about four weeks When was the filming actually done? We were shooting in New Mexico um, in uh, March, April of uh, of 2022. Between principal photography and release, you guys got it turned around pretty fast. Yeah, 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 we did. I don't know if you know anything about uh, New Mexico in the wintertime, but um, it snows. (laughs) And, And this movie's set in Mexico in the summer. So uh, we did we did hit a couple things there, um, a couple snags, if you will. Yeah, one day we woke up to eight inches of snow and we had to film the second part of uh, that big standoff scene uh, outside the gas station. We woke up and it was eight inches of snow outside that 15 weather apps didn't even predict. Now, it's not like you have a lot of cover to go to on situations like that. I mean, what did you actually do on that day? We went inside the gas station. We had that scheduled for a different day, so we switched it around. And then we shot the very end of the movie um, where, where I wake up. Now, it's very interesting because of that weather, we actually decided to shoot it in the gun cellar. But it was originally scripted to be somewhere else. And that was one of those happy accidents because I feel like it, it ends the movie so much better there. 
to be left there because we associate that with another character and we're like oh now we can see is is something happening here like it, you know what i mean yeah and as we warn people there might be spoilers in this but yes yeah, certainly yeah, spoilers i'm sorry so a crew that's working well together can make those decisions pretty quickly yes and it sounds like your crew knew everything that was being filmed so moving things around even at that last minute but all those scenes that you referenced they work despite the challenges Exactly, exactly, and that's a real testament to Doug, to tell you the truth. Every single potential issue or speed bump or hurdle that we came across during shooting, he dealt with it before. He'd been, there, he'd done that. He knew exactly how to handle it, and it was fantastic because it allowed it allowed me to be able to lean on him really heavily for that kind of stuff. And I could keep the creative process going at the same time. And the one thing about it is there wasn't stress around these situations. Not once did we get into a situation where we were like, what are we going to do? Oh, no, this is this is a catastrophe. It was more along the lines of, oh, well, this is happening. So now we need to adjust here. And it was very, very seamlessly done. It was really great, actually, because it made the movie better in a way. So all of these things that happened, like, for instance, I was saying, waking up in the gun cellar, that was better for the story than having it be somewhere else. Because it was a, it was a location that we had, we had seen before in the movie. And we automatically go back to that moment and we, we establish it with Ramon because he was there with Ramon. So it answers that question and it does all of those things. And I'd like to say, you know, that take credit for having planned that, but it, <laughs> it, it, it was the snow. <laughs> but all of these things really work together to make the movie better in this way. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's filmmaking as a whole. You know, there's always something that comes up always some kind of speed bump and it depends on how you look at those things uh whether it's i saw this interview with uh jonah hill and he was talking about watching scorsese and he said all directing is solving massive problems all day long and he said scorsese was a master at that and during this film i really understood what he meant by that because it really, really is. And it's like, how do you solve these problems and use them to make your movie better? Well, Ben, though, I want you to layer onto that, your acting mm -hmm. as well. Now, yeah. a lot of different actors have their own processes for getting into character and staying in character, but having to think about all these other things, all the things that a director does. And again, being the first time director, I just, this sounds like a monumental challenge to undertake. And this is not two people in a room. This is a large action movie with a lot of stuff going on and you're in almost every scene. Yeah. Talk to me about the challenge of that, where crew may have helped, you know, as a, always a shout out for our crew or just how that process worked for you on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. It was ambitious. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so very fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of people who are way smarter than me doug being one chris being the other i also had uh my acting coach come out tom draper we've been working together since 2008 he's uh, someone that i trust and he's become a really dear friend and um so i had him there as well just to keep a to keep like a bird's eye view and 
catch things I might be missing because there are so many things. I just really wanted to make sure that uh, I had all of the support and to set myself up as best as I possibly could. It was a lot of leaning on Doug. It was a lot of leaning on Chris. It was a lot of, you know, being able to trust all of that process. And there was a lot of watching playback. So it would be, you know, we would do a scene, we would do a take, particularly uh, on both sets of coverage, really, because there's a difference between when you're in a scene with, with another guy or another person and then you are watching it objectively. So there was watching a lot of playback. And then I think it actually was a very freeing experience to be directing myself because it took all of the ego out of acting. It became so little about me and so much about the movie as a whole. The movie became the most important thing. So it was never my performance, my performance, my performance. Was I interesting? Was I this? Was I that? You know, was it good? Was it not? It always became about what's best for the film. So I could go in and do a take and then come back and watch it completely objectively and just watch myself as I was watching an actor in the movie and said, no, that was bad. Let's do it again. Or, you know, that moment we need to hit. We need to hit that moment better. We need to hit that moment better and then go back in and do it. And I would really honestly suggest that everybody who is an actor do this to to some capacity, whatever capacity you can, even if you're doing like your self tapes and stuff with your auditions, do it and then watch them objectively because you see yourself in this whole different light and it becomes, it becomes so little about you and so much about the piece that you're serving you know we talk a lot about uh how and we've mentioned it here about how when a crew works together there is this sense of collaboration in some ways you're talking about collaborating with yourself yeah exactly i think a lot of collaboration with yourself is getting out of your own way and just allowing the ego to dissipate and to look at yourself truthfully and really see the reality of what's going on in a situation and i think that objective look at your own performance is an extremely humbling experience but it's also extremely rewarding because you're able to adjust and change and mold to what fits best because the movie is the most important thing at the end of the day that's all that matters at the end of the day that's why we were all there that's why we're all here with it's the greatest privilege in the world to be able to make one of these things so that has to be the most important thing. Now, Ben, a serious question. You're filming in New Mexico early 2022. Yeah. In late 2021, we had that tragedy on the set of Rust around the misfiring of a weapon. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of guns in what you're doing as well. What was the atmosphere? And again, with an experienced AD like Doug on set, clearly things are being run on a level, but just how that sense was in did you have to address it in any particular ways, again, given your closeness to the tragedy? We were actually shooting on one of those ranches. One of our locations was on that ranch. And it was, I mean, that was such a tragedy. Um, 
one of the very first conversations that Doug and I had was that there would be no real firearms on set. It was all airsoft guns. So they were all gas-powered BB guns, essentially. There wasn't a single dummy round, a single blank, a single thing anywhere near any of our sets. And all of the muzzle flashes we put in post. So they're all CGI. The thing is, they look just as good. They still do the movement. They still do all of the things. It's just that there's 0% risk because there's no way there can ever be any kind of mix-up. I mean, that incident was was so inexplicably tragic that no matter what I do moving forward, I will, I will never go back to the other way that's it's the airsoft all the way for me forever because i just i just think i think it changes the atmosphere around everything i mean people were the energy was still in the air at the time you know it was still kind of there was a heaviness to especially when we were there and when we were location scouting i remember feeling this this really deep sadness that it the energy is still here. It's it's still around. And um, it's heartbreaking. So when it got to the point when we would be choosing what weapons to do and they were all airsoft, airsoft and all of that sort of stuff, it created this kind of comfort level between everybody on the crew, not just us, not just the immediate crew in the close proximity, but every single person had this sense of ease because they knew they didn't have to worry about that. And that was very important to me because ultimately throughout the entire process, your crew is, it's, it's what makes the movie. And you want to create a stress-free, comforting and fun environment as possible. I mean, I said to at the very beginning, if we're not laughing every day, then we shouldn't be here because we're so lucky to be doing this, doing what we love, that, that it should be fun. So creating that kind of environment and eliminating anything that could have impeded that was very, very important. Well, pivoting towards the fun, Ben, tell me about some of your favorite scenes and how they came together. Oh, my gosh. Some of my favorite scenes. I mean, that opening, that opening sequence was one of my favorite to shoot, even though I get my ass kicked. But <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was definitely one of my favorite scenes to shoot. But two things where I get my ass kicked, actually, and, and that, that scene uh, that I shot, that Jaime Camille and I, when he comes to the, the front of my lawn, we get in a big fight, and then we have that nice to see you too, man, and then, and then the chat. It was 30 degrees when we shot that. <laughs> 30 degrees. We still say to this day, you know, we bonded in that moment because we experienced hypothermia together. <laughs> that's a brotherhood. That's, that's an unbreakable bond. Yes, that was one of my favorite scenes. And then that opening sequence was incredibly fun. It took us two days to shoot. The location was picture perfect. It was exactly what I saw in my mind when it was written. The thing about it, the inside of that, uh, that bar, the floor was sent slanted like that. The bar wasn't even in there. It was filled with, with it was used, being used as a storage place. 
the roof had these gigantic holes in it, just open bare slats, which looked really cool for the light to come in and stuff like that. That looked dope, but it wasn't so great with all of the rain that was happening outside either. So, <laughs> I mean, it was raining. The winds were so strong. So we had this thing where we had to put a tarp over the over the roof so that the, the water wouldn't come through and, and soak us all. But because of the wind, it would blow the tarp. So the we couldn't pick up any of the sound. The the sound was almost unsavable at the end. We had to ADR basically that entire that entire sequence. But it's still one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. It's I mean it's 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 just the way that it's kind of set up, the way that Sofia Castro's character is set up in that thing when she's sitting in that haze of smoke with the jukebox behind her. It's like a little halo. Just the way that everything is set up in that scene is one of one of my absolute favorite scenes in the movie. Now you talked about having worked with Doug and Chris on on previous projects, or had had you worked with Chris on previous projects? Or you guys are just we shot Hollywood some things friends? together. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we shot some things. We shot a short together, a couple shorts actually, and shot some things together. So it was like we've done that and remained friends for such a long time. And then yeah, Doug, Doug, I had shot a shot a film with the year before. Now, were there other crew members that you brought? from your experience or did you have to meet and hire these other folks whether they were local or from la to new mexico the majority of people were from new mexico taylor makeup department head i had worked with before a year before she's amazing i think that hair and makeup is one of the most important departments on a set because you know, the, the, the actors, in a sense, they are the first people that the actors see in the morning. They show up, they sit down, and their energy and their vibe has to be calm. It has to be comforting. It has to be safe. It has to be this safe space because the actor is about to go out there and kind of bear their soul in front of 150 people. It's a vulnerable thing to do. And so when you have these people in this trailer where you're going to sit down and they're going to talk to you and they're going to be, yeah, it's, it's an intimate experience, the hair and makeup trailer in the morning. They are key to creating and setting the tone for, for the way that the day is going to go. It's, it's unbelievably important. So Taylor was an, was a very important one. She's, she's amazing. We had quite a few people that I had met before, um, but then there were some new ones like props, Chelsea. She's so rad. She's so cool. She was local. She had worked on, you know, Better Call Saul and a lot of great shows. And she's such a pro. And she was just, just so good. Some of the ideas she came, came up with, I was like, yes, that's brilliant. Let's do it. So, yeah. There were the majority of people were from New Mexico. I think Chris was our our only one that we flew in, I believe. Other crew shout outs or other scenes that you couldn't have done without specific people. Right? Obviously, you need crew for everything. But are there specific stories that come to mind that you want to share with our audience? The unsung hero of the entire shoot was this guy, Patrick. He worked with um with Lisa. So he was the guy that was always on the set working for, you know, our department. 
and he was up in there by himself, you know, making sure everything was was going well. But he was just he was literally the unsung hero of the entire set. He was always there. He was always stoked. He was always just doing it. and he was always so so appreciative and, and and he was appreciated. He never let anything slip. Such an awful guy. But who else? I mean there's it's one of those things where it's really hard. Jay sound absolute legend. Always had the music going. Always had a good playlist rocking everywhere. It was our set was a party. And you could always count on him to bring really good tunes no matter where we were, no matter the cell services. Like he always had it set up, ready to go. And it was, you know, in between takes as we're going, music's blaring. This was the energy of the place. And every single person contributed to that energy, which I really think shows up on screen. And also my writer, Brent Tarnall. I'd like to give a special shout out to because, you know, as we were working on this thing and it's such a long process, there were so many multiple hour conversations where we were going through this thing and he'd pick up the phone at three o'clock in the morning when I'd call him with an idea, you know, because I'd get this, oh, dude, I got an idea. We got to write this. Always there. And vice versa, you know, so there was, he gets a special shout out because from the beginning, we were kind of ruminating in, in, on this idea of this thing and it took so many forms. Yeah, he gets a special shout out. Him, Doug, Chris, they, they were like my rocks and Lamar, my other producers, you know, could always count on these people. And I hope they could say the same, like, you know, it was it was really it was it's it's all of our movie. It's not it's not a movie that I made. It's a movie that we made. Well, Ben, there's a couple of references in the film that your character he cannot die. People reference it, and then the way the movie ends. You guys plan a sequel to this? Are we going to see? Are we going to see more <laughs> of this going forward? I, I mean, look, I think ultimately that would be a dream come true. I mean, that would be so cool. It'd be so cool to continue the story. And, and there are so many different ways this, this character could go and this, this story could unfold and may or may not have it already written, but uh, that's not, (laughs) but also I do, I do believe that this movie can stand alone because it's, it's also a reference to life. Sometimes you don't need closure. You know what I mean? there are a lot of open ends in life and but we still keep moving forward and so i think that what am i saying yeah i mean i'd love to do it let's let's be honest (laughs) it would just be it would be fantastic so if if the audience really responds to it and love it then then i guess we'll we'll see we'll see well it might be open-ended for snag but that is going to be closure for us on that note we'll call it a wrap great having you here ben thank you so much for having me this was fun uh, listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info on our website, blowtheline.biz. That's B-I-Z. You'll also find past episodes and links to all of our social media, so check it out. Ben, besides the promise of a sequel to Snag, where else are we going to see your work? I didn't promise anything. The hope of seeing more of this character. Where else are we going to see your work? Where should people go? 
There's a movie right now on Paramount Plus called Run and Gun that executive producers starred in that I shot two years ago. And obviously the list of stuff on my IMDb, you can follow me at, um, on Instagram at ben.millican to see what I'm doing and then what's coming up next and all the exciting things that go on in my life. <laughs> There's not many. <laughs> Well, Ben, thanks for taking the time today. Listen, my closing credits, thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Juan for our logo, and to all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcast and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line.